to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If we could st- remain standing for a moment of silence for the two um, Army Rangers who passed away in Afghanistan. Thank you very much. Okay, we held a 30-minute closed session for administrative functions, boards and commissions, and personnel. Uh, No decisions were made in that closed session. We can now um, move to today's agenda. Uh, Today's agenda for our meeting on February 11th, 2020, along with the regular and closed session minutes from your January 28th, 2020 meeting were distributed for review. Uh, are there any additions or corrections? Um, just the agenda to the, the two desk items. Okay. We do have two desk items that are included. Okay, can I get a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Second. As motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. <coughs> that brings us to our first press and public comment period. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. The commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely, and we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain refrain from naming citizens and name calling when offering any critique. Nobody signed up, so would anybody like to speak? Seeing none, we'll close press and public comment. Okay, all right. All right, commissioners, we can move on to uh, new business. Uh, if you want to turn to tab two, we have our Department of Public Works here this week. Alan Quimby, our director of public works. We've got, uh, I believe, three items. So tab two, page number one, item number one. I'll turn it over to uh, to Alan. Alan? Good evening, commissioners. Good evening. I have three items on the agenda. The first two are under engineering and administration. First one being a letter, informational item, being a copy of a letter that we sent to the Riverside State's folks, informing them of the project we're moving forward with to remediate the mold issue and doing some other Dress up that site. Um, it's proceeding along fairly well, although it's uh, there's a considerable amount of rot that we did not anticipate running into. Floor joist rot, that kind of rot, everywhere. Really, mm. not entirely due to, from my opinion, poor maintenance, but either poor construction or poor design. Basically, the northern units, the water in between the interface of the siding and the masonry water got in behind that wall somehow. <coughs> so. It's a, it's a process. It's a good thing we started when we did. Because, uh, some of the units, particularly the northern units, are in pretty bad shape. But we're working through it. Can we also work with the Housing Authority to help them coming up with a maintenance protocol so that they know what they should be doing going forward and don't have these problems? For sure. Thank you. Any questions on the Riverside letter? Have you, uh, you found the rob? Have you... Have you um completed any or are we in the process we're just on your first section or what we're doing we, we had six vacant units we need three vacant units to start moving people in, out and we're trying to get three of those units livable and we're pretty much there and so. then you'll then you'll notice them and move them and 
you'll move them and then you'll be able to two. Correct. Okay. Correct. How many units total is it? Do we have to? There's 23 of which, like I said, six are vacant. One of the units is an ADA unit that had no crawl space and really didn't have any mold issues or okay. just leaving that one alone. Uh -huh. There's 22 units that need to be remediated. Okay. Great. And there was some also some grant money that they got for some of this work, right? Not so much the mold remediation, but a lot of other things. Um, While you're in, they're able to yes. upgrade some things. Good. We, uh, Todd hired a consultant who has a lot of familiarity with the grant programs and has really proven to be productive, or it seems to will. We haven't Good. gotten anything yet, but it seems to be very productive. Good. Not only there, but at the other aging places like Terrapin. Do we have any particular sense of what this whole, not just that, but... Percy Thomas, everything in the system is going to cost us per year just so that we can kind of get a sense of what we're looking at budget-wise over the next three or four years? On the presumption that Riverside is the worst, which I hoped is, and once we get over that hump, I think we are budgeting about a quarter million a year. Do you think that's adequate? Because we've got all the utilities. I mean, the ice boxes and the, some of the stuff. Well, that's stuff. where a lot of the grant money comes in, fortunately. Yeah. Well, that may be, but I'm just trying to get a sense of do we know what we're looking at? Cause I don't know that we know what we're looking at, but I know no. that's what we're budgeting. Yeah, in, in addition to that, the Housing Authority did submit uh, a budget request that I, we have not reviewed with Public Works yet, but we will be reviewing that with them through their agency. So we, uh, we have some numbers to look at and, and vet as we go forward through the budget process this year. Yeah. All right. how's, it, how's it going of relocating some of these folks? That we, are we haven't got there yet. Not that far yet. Well, this is the first step to let them know how the, what the process is going to be. Again, we, we have to get three units, and we're not just doing the remote remediation. We're doing painting. We're putting replacing the flooring, replacing some of the appliances. We're doing other things, being over there. Uh-huh. But uh, we, haven't, we haven't yet to displace anybody. Okay. Very good. Yes, Thank you, sir. The second item... And Todd can probably speak to this better than me because it wasn't really my project. But um, just to let you know, the circuit courthouse has received two or three, three, I guess, awards, which is, I guess, always nice. They received the County Engineer Project of the Year and also received the MD Maryland Quality Initiative Annual Awards of Excellence, which is supposedly a big deal. I'm not familiar with it. Todd was impressed Windows with it. Are breaking already. <laughs> yeah. you, tend, you tend to downplay all your accolades anyway. <laughs> well, you, know, you get awards for showing off, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I look good on some of measured desk. his results. <laughs> why don't you, why don't you pass those around so they can get no their, phone calls get their fingerprints on those things, just like the trophy, right? Yeah. <laughs> those are the front windows. Yeah. As the, as the recipient of the... Are we going to have uh, Todd give a speech with that and then <laughs> play the music at the end? Are they the bulletproof glass? Not bulletproof glass, but as a recipient of the County Engineers Project of the Year, it gets submitted to the statewide uh, Maryland Quality Initiatives, and that was an award we received in, uh, in downtown Baltimore City uh, as the award of excellence for the, uh, for the courthouse project. We're very, very proud of that. It's a great building, and uh, we're, we're very lucky to have a a new courthouse that will serve us well for many, many years to, to, to come. At least 219, <laughs> right? At, so at least, at least. That's right. So. Good job, Alan. Yeah. So, so will these be... Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, we'll put it over here. <laughs> She's gonna knock it. We're gonna, he's going to knock that over. Will these be displayed in the courthouse? 
We can. We can display them wherever we like. We could put them here in the Liberty Building for a bit, but we can uh, we can move them around. We can display them uh, wherever we choose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. All right. McDonald's. Well done. Very good. Thank you. That concludes the uh, <coughs> general. Uh, we need a motion to go into sanitary. There you go. Thank you. Uh, so moved. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. There we go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. On February 4th, we opened up the Phase 3 engineering bid, Phase 3 being Kentmore and Queen Anne Colony. We, uh, yeah, we, what we've decided to do, both in Phase 2 and Phase 3, is to do the community mains first to get the guys, the pipes in the street in service. And then we would let the contract to install the step tanks and the individual properties. That allows the step contractor to visit the property once, do what he has to do, connect the house and get out, as opposed to what we're doing in phase one, where they have to come back time and again, which is inefficient for the contractor and it's a nuisance for the homeowner. So we let the um, community mains project out for engineering. We got... Uh, we only got three bids, and Century Engineering, who's doing the Phase 2 community mains, was the low bid. So we're recommending that you make an award for the Phase 3 community mains engineering to Century Engineering. All right. So, so um, I mean, that's a pretty how – how is Century able to do it? So much cheaper. Yes. Uh, we asked that same question in Phase 2, because if you recall, they did yeah. – they got both contracts in Phase 2, and I don't have an answer for you, but they, they did it. Okay. So we shouldn't probably question it because they did a good job of phase yeah, one. Right. Okay. The other two engineers asked me the same question. Hmm. Less overhead. I get a motion. All right. I move motion to, to approve the uh, bids as submitted. Second. Any discussion? I, I was just looking for the official wording, you. trying to find it, but that works. Any discussion? Seeing none, we're going to be voting on to move to conditionally award the bid in the amount of $96,700 for the design of the SKI Phase 3 Community Mains to Century Engineering Incorporated, with the condition being the approval by MDE of their efforts to satisfy the DBE goal and authorize the Director of Public Works to execute the design contract once MDE approves said effort. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Thank you. And we also opened up on that same day the phase two community means construction bids. But we weren't familiar with the low bidders. So we didn't bring them to you until we vetted them. But I think we'll, you'll be happy with those results as well. That's all directional. It's all directional. And that was part of the problem. That their directional experience wasn't that evident. So we decided to take a little longer time to look into them. Okay. Very good. But it was, uh, right. it was Wait, a now, good bid. Before you go, Commissioners, right behind uh, that memo from, from Mr. Quimby, there is a budget amendment, CC19, to provide the funding for the for that design contract. So can I get a motion? I move that, that we approve CC-19. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? So this looks like it's all coming from basically leftover money? It's loan proceeds. We get a right. yeah. That's yeah. What I mean, and then, and then, and then that gets charged back to the uh, to the um, as a special benefit assessment. It's part okay. of the project. Good. As far as engineering, yeah, yeah. Sanitary with front it, and then get paid back. Good. Okay. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Great. Commissioners, if you want to turn to tab number three for our action items this evening. 
we have a total of nine items, including our two desk items. Item number one on page one is a closeout agreement for a community development block grant for the Chester Y facility. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to sign the closeout agreement for CDBG grant MD 16 CD 13. Second. A motion is second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number two on page six is a is another community development block grant item. It's for a housing grant, housing study grant agreement, and this is a grant that we received uh, for a housing study. And this is the paperwork to accept that grant. So, can I get a motion on that, please? I move to sign the grant agreement for CDBG grant MD twenty CD four. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 3 on page 43 is a Community Partnerships student member nomination for Alana Ellis to their board as a student member, and they are seeking confirmation from the Commissioners. I move to accept the nomination of Alana Ellis to the board of Queen Anne's County Community Partnership for Children and Families to serve the remainder of the three-year term ending on June 30th, 2022. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number four on page 44 is Budget Amendment CC18 for the Department of Aging Capital Grant, and this is for their preventative maintenance program for vehicle repairs, and this is additional grant money they're receiving of $18,000 for that program. Motion to approve CC 18. Second. second. A motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. <coughs> Commissioners, um, item number five on page 45 through 47 is budget amendment CC 20 from the Queen Anne's County Public Schools. And they've, they've got several projects they want to close out on the capital side and divert 28000 $470 to maintenance um, equipment for building maintenance at the schools, including ladders, vacuums, floor scrubbers. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to approve budget amendment CC20. Uh, Queen Anne's County Public School request to close out the noted FY18 capital projects and transfer the remaining unspent funds to current open capital projects for custodial equipment. Second. We have a motion and a second. Discussion. Just so everybody knows, this is this is basically left over. I'm not sure how many projects that they completed, but the money was left over because I guess they had a visit from OSHA, and some of their ladders are 30 years old. So if you notice on here, they've got a lot of ladders they're buying, vacuums, wet vacs, just uh, general services equipment that they need to replenish and or replace. So that's what this is all about. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item number six is um, the uh, Queen, Anne's, Queen Anne County Public Schools 17th Annual Awards Gala Support. Gala Support. And last year we donated $1,000. So if you want to support this program this year, um, they are requesting that. Motion to donate the same amount as last year, $1,000. Second. A motion and a second. Any discussion? 
I went last year. It was a nice event. And uh, definitely, it's definitely worth the, the, the $1,000. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're doing that. And we will be a platinum sponsor. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, commissioners. Item 7 on page 50 is our character counts proclamation for February. So um, they are not here this evening, but they would ask uh, that one of the commissioners read this aloud, please. Or did you want to read it? No. <laughs> you were at it. I had to ask. Who wants it? You can sit and then know pretty quick. Yes. Buck stops here. Okay, proclamation 20-11. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a character counts community, and all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate and model them in their daily activities. And whereas February is Black History Month, and the character counts pillar of the month is respect. During Black History Month, we celebrate and re we celebrate and respect the many achievements and contributions made by African Americans to our economic, cultural, and political development. And whereas all citizens will incorporate this value in their daily lives by displaying a regard for the worth of the people, including oneself, and whereas all citizens will be considerate of the feelings of other citizens and listen to their ideas and never judge or criticize. And whereas all citizens will continue to work towards becoming an inclusive community in which all citizens, past, present, and future, are respected and recognized for their contributions and potential contributions to our community, the state, the county, and the world. And whereas all citizens will help all other citizens in a time of need, and whereas all citizens will be polite, use good manners, and not bad language, and will set positive examples to peer, neighbors, and siblings. And whereas all citizens will not threaten, hit, or hurt anyone with words or actions, and will act peacefully when disagreements arise. And whereas this month, as we celebrate Black History Month, many may all citizens remember to pra practice these important values of respect, regardless of the color of one's skin, and always follow respect's golden rule. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim February is Black History Month in Queen Anne's County and the Character Counts Pillar of the Month to be respect. Signed, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. And it was written by Joan Brooks. Very good. In the Parks and Recs. Thank you. All right. So we'll let, we'll let Steve take that to Joan. Thank you, Commissioner Moran, for reading that tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay, item number eight is uh, the first desk item, and it is a letter of support for Senate Bill 397, uh, the sales and use tax for personal property tax exemptions for data centers. And this is uh, sponsored by uh, Senator Hershey, and I believe our folks in Kent County were looking to get support on this. I move to sign a letter in support of Senate Bill 397. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? So, Jack, you want to try and explain this or you want me to explain it? Basically, this is what this is, is Kent County, unlike Queen Anne's County, has one gig of service and fiber running through their entire county. So, and they have a main trunk, I believe, heading down the shore. It crosses over and goes into Virginia where the Internet world begins. And what that means is Kent County is ripe for installing these huge data centers. They're just huge warehouses with nothing but computers in them. And uh, what they're trying to do is, is get some exemptions for these data centers because the equipment in them is extremely expensive. And if they were to put them in and not get the, it just wouldn't be cost effective. So this is to exempt the data centers, I believe, 
or at least reduce them for sure, the, the cost of their property tax, and we support that uh, for our neighboring county in Kent County that's hopefully going to get some data centers. Yep, jobs. Yep, jobs, exactly. So that's what that is. So seeing no further discussion, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. And item number nine is our second desk item, and it is a letter of support for Senate Bill 794, House Bill 603, Regional Career and Technology Education Schools Authority. I move to sign the letter in support of Senate Bill 794 and House Bill 603. Second. Second. Discussion. This is the uh, remake of last year's bill to establish uh, a regional CTE at Chesapeake College. Which this cleared is the, the House unanimously. Cleared the House unanimously this year. It's been cross-filed in the Senate, so and it has a pretty good sponsor line, so hopefully this year it will get through with flying colors. Excellent. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. There we go. All right, thank you, Commissioners. That concludes our action items for this evening. If you want to turn to tab number six, we can run through our presentations tonight. <coughs> First one we have is the Queen Anne's County League of Women Voters Proclamation, and Patricia Jameson, the president, is here. Come on up. Yeah, if you have some other members of your team, come on up. Introduce them as well, please. And uh, So that's tab six, item I. Good evening, ladies. Welcome. Good evening. It's nice to be here. Glad you're here. <laughs> so would you like to talk a little bit about, or do you want him to read first? Or Well, we can go ahead and we can talk for a few Excellent. minutes. Okay. And Absolutely. as a matter of fact, I was here at your last meeting, mm -hmm. at which time there was a proclamation celebrating the uh, 19th Amendment, the That's passing right. of the 19th Amendment, which mm -hmm. gave women, finally, the right to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and that was signed on... Uh, August the 26th, 1920. Oh. But six months before that, the League of Women Voters was founded on February 14th, so that's Friday, oh, 1920. So on Friday, it will be the 100th anniversary of the founding of the League of Women Voters. And the reason it was founded was to support the new women's suffrage. But, you know, there were these women were newly uh, given voting rights, and they needed education and so the league was founded to provide information to these newly enfranchised women so they could exercise their vote, their right to vote but what happened was the league continued to expand over the years and we have over 700 affiliates mm -hmm. across the nation right now wow and the founders believed that a nonpartisan league could provide information to the public to ensure the success of democracy. So, in 2003, and I have two of the founders here, Mary Camel uh -huh. and Joyce Woodford, were um, they were among those that founded our league here in Queen Anne's County. I'm rather a newbie <laughs> to the league, but they are among the founders, and they have volunteered over the years, and they've contributed time and energy. And you're familiar with League of Women Voters. Absolutely. Because we hold forums, <laughs> right? Yes. We hold voter registration. Um, I brought a voter's guide. You're mm -hmm. familiar with the voter's guide, everyone, mm -hmm. which we put out. 
And we have a, uh, we also have a, uh, a website, lwv.org, legalwomenvoters.org, and the voter's guide is on there, and we have done something this year that we're very proud of. You can register online. Ah. <laughs> so we encourage both men and women, because back in 1973, the charter was changed to, to allow men to also join the league. So anyone 16, of year, 16 of years of age or older can join the league, both men and women. And uh, we encourage you to work with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And Joyce, would you like to say something? Mary? Well, it's nice to see you all again. Yeah, I think is. all of you have participated in our Generally, course. when we're up here and you guys are down there, <laughs> that's right, that's right. there's a lot of questions being that's asked. Right, right. <laughs> Some very important issues. But all kidding aside, I know I speak for my fellow elected officials and folks that ran for office and participated in your forums. And for me, this was a second time through. And um, your organization does a top-notch job. Um, it's it's always consistently fair, um, and and you guys, the, the, your organization should be commended uh, because of the fact that you run such a, a great forum. It's very informative, and then and then the League of Voters guide that you guys put out information about the candidates and where they stand on the issues and what's important to them. Voters can't get enough information, in my opinion, when they go to make a make a decision on which way they're going to go and you guys provide that information and so uh, kudos thank you outstanding thank you, thank you so that's much that's what we're about that's what we're about in fact we're planning a forum on March 22nd <laughs> right Mary right yeah. for the for primaries. the House of Representatives yeah for the House of Representatives oh, so we're, primary. we're we're working on that one right now yeah. okay yes. very good okay well Commissioner Fabrina all right <laughs> Okay, so this is a proclamation celebrating the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters of the United States. <clears throat> it's Proclamation 20-06. Whereas the League of Women Voters was founded in 1920 as a mighty political experiment by the foremothers of the suffragist movement at the National American Women's Suffrage Association. And whereas their goal was to help 20 million women who were granted the right to vote by the 19th Amendment understand and carry out their new responsibilities as voters. And whereas, with the success of this effort and the tireless efforts over the last 100 years to strengthen and uphold its mission to empower voters and defend democracy, the League has become a trusted, nonpartisan, grassroots organization. And whereas, the League has sponsored legislation and fought in the courts to protect and strengthen voting rights and access, and for free and fair elections, civil rights, children, community health, and education. And whereas the League has consistently been noted for its nonpartisan election information, including a sponsorship of candidate forums and information on state and local ballot issues, as well as its commitment to register, educate, and mobilize voters. And whereas the League champions government systems that are open, transparent, inclusive, and equitable. And whereas the League believes that active and engaged citizens, irrespective of gender, ethnicity, or political affiliation, are the hallmark of a democracy. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim February 14th as Women's Voting Rights Day, and we honor and congratulate the League of Women Voters on its 100th anniversary and commend the League for its significant contributions to empowering voters and making democracy work. Signed by all the commissioners. That's yes, very good. Yes, thank you.
so, um, so for our viewing audience, um, if you ladies want to put a plug in for how someone can become a member or make a contribution to your organization, please feel free. You can free. join online at L League of Women Voters, LWV.org. You can join online. It's very simple. And you can put information about whether you want to volunteer. You can join online, um, ask us questions. So that's the easiest way. All right. Very good. Okay. However, if you'd like us to put an application in the mail, or if you don't want to register online, you can just ask for yeah. one to be sent to you. And so. you probably have the applications that when you have the forums, there is there information? Yes, there we, always yes. Have we always have information there. You're absolutely right. And at the voter registration desks that we try to have around at county events. We're going to be at the Graysonville Community Event, which is sponsored by the people who are running the census here in the county, mm -hmm. and we'll have a table there yeah. with information as well. Actually, we worked with Queen Anne TV on Friday, <laughs> and we developed a video, a short video, with the history of the 19th Amendment as well as a history of the founding of the League and the founding of the League here in Queen Anne's County. And it's in production right now, <laughs> and it should be out soon, and we'll have that on uh, our, our website. And we also have a Facebook page, so you can join, you can friend us on Facebook, <coughs> and uh, hopefully that video will be out soon, and uh, Queen Anne TV will be running on their, on their website. So look for it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thank you. Thank you. We have some more members here. Can you stand up? Those are the four here. Yeah. Yeah. We have some more members here with us today. Oh, we have a male member. Yes, sir. Male member. Yeah. Last name. Last name. Last name. Last name. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. Thank you very much. All right, commissioners. Our next presentation is uh, Department of Emergency Services update. So we got Scott Haas and his team, and they can all come up to the table, please. And this is item number four in your books under tab six. Item four, IV. We had a cancellation, so I moved these guys up. So yeah. Uh, Parks and Rec. Parks cancel? No, 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 no. There was it's off, off the agenda. There was another item two. It's in the oh, book okay. there. Yeah. What tab are we on? Six. Tab six, item four. Okay. Yeah. And I think Scott has the same presentation up on the screen here for you as well. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Go on. So with me tonight is our medical director, Dr. Ciatola. I've got Jim Alfrey, our communications chief, and Scott Wheatley, our EMS chief. We're going to give you two division updates. Our communications division is going to be up first, and then EMS is going to give you an update second. So, Jim, you want to take it away? It, ooh, that went a little fast. So the first thing I want to touch on is, as we're all well aware, Paul Henslow was signed last year by the governor, and it kicked in on July 1st. So three things that came out of that as uh, we see an increase in the 911 user fees. Um, the NSB can now cover some of the county operational expenses and they also put forth a statewide staffing and salary studies. I can tell you from first quarter last year, we brought in $63,399.75. For the first quarter of this year, we're at $114,248.25. Um, that does not include the prepaid sailor, which is stuck at $0.60, cents, which would be an additional on top of that. So we're running um, for the first quarter this year at 
So that's uh, almost, I think it was uh, 80%, we're looking at about an 80% increase in what we're seeing in the 911 user fees. Mm -hmm. We're also looking at about 135,000 that we can uh, reclaim in operational fees um, for the 911 operator, for the 911 center, and we're preparing that budget now and we'll submit it to the numbers board for July 1st. So one of the things that came out of the staffing study was looking at our call volume and the number of people have, they're saying that we should have seven, 6.8 full-time equivalents uh, in our 911 center. So they were saying that we need to uh, work on increasing our staffing, especially with the next generation 911 coming and text to 911. That was one of the big things out of the uh, salary and staffing study. Um, this covered, I just already kind of covered this, but this is where we're at with the, uh, with the revenue that we're seeing coming in. So we're looking at about uh, three to about 350 that uh, increases this year for the revenue. They also uh, did a statewide and a county view of where we're at with the next generation uh, preparedness. Queen Anne's County got a 6.81 out of score of 10. If you see, um, we did really well on our staffing, and the reason we did so well on our staffing, it's not that we're fully staffed, it's just that we maintain the staff. We're one of the few centers that has a 24-hour shift, and we have a very small turnover rate compared to the other counties. We, we do advertise maybe one or two a year to fill where most of the other centers have numerous openings that they cannot fill. Um, security, cybersecurity, that's always an issue that's ongoing. And you'll notice that we're in the red with the I I3 routing. Every uh, county in the, in the state is in the red because that is the next core generation. So that's what we're, we're getting with. Training, we're kind of in the, in the orange. We really don't know who our next-gen provider is going to be, so we really can't train on it until we uh, to select a, a next-generation provider. And um, on that, the Eastern Shore, Queen Anne's County, is the lead on this, and uh, Mr. Jeff Rank is also part of our team. Uh, we are doing the RFP project to bring next generation uh, 911 to the shore. Up there is our timeline. So we had a kickoff. Before meeting. you go any further, can, just for the public, can you explain what next generation 911 is? Because people hear it all the time, and I don't think they understand. The next generation 911 is basically getting rid of all the copper. And we're going to go from um, a copper-based system, an old phone line system, to a complete Internet system. So everything will be Internet-based, IP-based. Um, we're looking at fiber. We're looking at satellites and like that. So nothing on, on copper. Everything is, is, is a computer-based system. It's basically hmm. the way to look at it. Basically, with that, basically uh, Verizon's getting out of the 911 business, and other providers are picking it up. So That's basically what's happening. Copper does not support the bandwidth for text to 911, for MMS, multimedia, or for the video chatting, where the Internet base does all of that. Um, the copper does not support, as when you, you've you seen the, the the director brought in here, where how the pizza guy can find you, but 911 can't find you. Um, with the IP routing, we'll be able to do that. Not only will we have where you're at, but we'll also get the Z, so we can tell you what floor you're at when we get the next generation 911, because all that data can be pushed through um, the ESI net, is that what they're calling it, and not through copper. It just couldn't handle the uh, the bandwidth. Hmm. That, that in a nutshell is what next generation 911 is. So, so it's not cheap. So has the state of Maryland made a commitment to who's going to do it? I mean, who are the, Verizon and, and so, T&T? So, or? so right now uh, the state has not made a commitment across the state on who's going to provide the service. It's up to each jurisdiction to figure out how they're going to provide the service in their county. So what we did as shore counties from Cecil County down to Ocean City 
all nine counties have joined together and we're currently Queen Anne's County is the lead of the project and we're currently seeking and writing an RFP for the nine counties to select a 911 provider. Though we're currently in the process of doing that right now, we, we received a grant from the numbers board to pay for the process. Uh, we're hoping to have a selection for the next gen provider by December of this year. Huh. Who? I mean, that was a bill last year, wasn't it, Jonathan? You worked on that bill last year, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was a Mako bill last year that right. actually yeah. passed. <clears throat> but Senator Kagan is the one that has taken the lead on this and has really pushed this through the, the Senate, the state, and the numbers board. Good. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. So uh, we have a very aggressive schedule. Um, the, the state has put us under some pressure to have this done in a year. Uh, we had a uh, meeting today with all the procurement officers from the, uh, the nine shore counties to make sure that if any county has any special language or conditions that it's in the RFP. We hope to have the RFP released in May, back by August, and we're going to go August through October to grade, score them, and if we need to go into contracts or BAFO, best and final offers, uh, October through December, and we look for all the shore counties to sign with one single provider in December. That is the goal, and uh, all so far we have a commitment from all nine counties that uh, whoever wins the RFP they're going to, uh, to go with. And I just want to give you a little bit of update on our 911 center um, project that we have going on. I have a lot going on there. Um, Becker Morgan has, was awarded the contract with uh, DPW, so we're looking at replacing the HVA system. We're going to cap off the four skylights in the 911 room. They're great for light, but when it rains, it's like a drum in there, and it is very hard to hear. And it's been, I've been here three years, and, and he's been here longer, saying that's the one complaint since day one. So we want to finally get that taken care of. Uh, we have two server rooms. We want to combine it into one so we can have better um, HVAC and uh, dry humidity control. Dry chemical. Dry chemical. Uh, so we have a fire. Um, we're going to tear off all the. We have a fiber board. The old carpet. Basically, it's carpet on the walls. Um, we're going to rip that off and put the new walling up. Replace the flooring. Put fiber optic cables underneath the the flooring. Get rid of the old uh, copper, and uh, all the furniture will be replaced. And that'll be replaced from a numbers board grant, uh, the, the furniture, so we don't have to worry about that. We are also in the process of building our new uh, next-gen phone system. Um, we should go before the numbers board in, in April for the funding for that, which is about $1.5 million. With that, uh, we're going to be I-3 compliant. Um, it'll help with the, the Eastern Shore project that we're doing now with the next generation. Um, we already have Texas 911. Queen Anne's was the first in the state to go with the Texas 911. Um, this will also prepare us for the video to 911. And we're working, uh, we have a project underway that the, you guys have approved for us is a number of board grant to run fiber from our primary 911 center to King County's backup 911 center because we're going to start building that up so we have some place to go um, if something should happen here. Right now, both of our 911 servers sit side by side in the same room. So if that building goes down, we're right. completely down. Right. Um, so that will help us get these geospatial call routing. So we'll have a center, or we'll have a server here in Queen Anne's. We'll have a server in Kent. So we'll be able to maintain our call volume and be able to process calls. And then, like I said, we'll have the XYZ coordinates. So we will be able to tell you where you're at, but what level you're at. And then the last thing we have going on currently is our CAD replacement. Um, we have the consultant going on. It's been meeting with uh, all the vendors. We have to have the RFP released by the 1st of March. Um, we're continuing with the public safety systems approach. So every public safety entity will be part of this project and then be part of the CAD system and RMS system, records management system. 
Um, hope to have the bids back in April. Um, start doing some demonstrations so everybody can get their hands on it, see what it really is all about, to see if it's going to work for the sheriff's <coughs> office, the fire service, the jail, and for the 911 center. And we hope to go into contract negotiations in June and have a contract in front of the board for you guys to sign on July 14th. Any questions on the 911 side of it? Well, good evening, and thank you again for allowing some time to share what's going on in the EMS world. Uh, I'm going to focus on three main parts. Number one, I'm going to give you some statistics for 2019. Uh, I know you guys like numbers. And uh, Commissioner Duminell, a couple of these are just for you because I know how much you love numbers. So <laughs> that's the numbers for you. What are plan for the upcoming year? Each year, and sometimes I, I, I need to get a grasp on this myself, I set goals for the division. What, what do we want to do this year to lead to next year and the following year and, and try to lead that out? And i got a good boss here that allows us to do that. So or what we're, what we're going to be doing this year coming up and we're, how we're going to incorporate training in that because the backbone of everything and, and, and the backbone of success is training. So last year we ran just under 7,500 calls in Queen Anne's County. Uh, and that's a, a lot of incidents, still a little lower than we did three years ago, and I'm going to explain why I think that variable is happening. But with that, it resulted in 3,475 transports, and that is up from the previous years. Just DES transports or anybody? That's a combination. Okay. <clears throat> now, hospitals. This is the first year Queen Anne ER took the lead in our hospitals of why, how many times we went there. Went to Queen Anne's ER 1,066 times. And I uh, want to relate that probably due to the bridge and the problems getting across the bridge. We go to Queen Anne ER a little more often. And the ongoing uh, alert status and bed time to get the patients off the bed at Anne Arundel. So we're able to get more patients into Queen Anne ER that may be able to benefit from the services there. Uh, leading behind that was Anne Arundel, then Easton and Chester River. And there was an additional uh, 149 patients that went to other regional hospitals, trauma centers, children's centers. We also transport some to Delaware hospitals such as Kent, Delaware, and to Christiana for a trauma center. Uh, your paramedics and EMTs in this county gave 9,163 medications, ranging anywhere from oxygen all the way up to Commissioner Wilson's favorite, fentanyl. Uh, <laughs> so we make patients feel a little better. And uh, another big one was naloxone and Narcan. And I'm going to talk about some success with Narcan here in a few moments as well. And in that, the EMS system, both career and volunteer, did 19,977 procedures. Anywhere from assessment, we touch a patient, we assess them, that's a procedure, to starting IVs, to doing CPR, to birthing a baby, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it was a busy year and a very competent year. Okay, so we brought down our, our opioid overdoses quite a bit last year. And I don't think that had anything directly to do with DES other than we were able to get there quicker. We were able to give the naloxone, Narcan earlier. We have a lot of people with the, the home Narcan. We have law enforcement with Narcan. And more importantly, we have the support of this commissioner group, DFC, the education of the community about opioids. And we brought that down from 122 in 2018 to 68 overdoses in 2019 and 16 deaths down to 12 deaths. Still too many. We're going to keep spreading the word. We're going to keep educating the public of how dangerous the opioid abuse is. And we're going to keep doing our point to get there quickly and remedy this and empower as many people as we can with hands-only CPR. Yes, but Scott, and how are the deaths counted? Is it, is it I mean, if, if you get to somebody here, 
You transfer into Anne Arundel and they die in Anne Arundel. Does that count as a death in this county or is that Anne Arundel County? It count, if they come from this county, if it happens in this county, it counts as a death here. Unfortunately, as you're very well aware, sometimes we have patients go to other counties or citizens go to other counties. They overdose and die there. We really have no way of identifying that. And basically how we get the count, Scott uh, works very closely with the sheriff's office on a weekly basis and sends a report on how many times we've transported somebody we suspected of an overdose, along with how many times we administer Narcan. And then the sheriff's office on their side confirms medically whether it was an actual overdose or not. And Dr. Ciatola gets the, the ME's report from Baltimore. And we just met this morning with the opioid fatality review board from the state. We will be starting our own opioid fatality review board here in Queen Anne County probably by the 1st of May because we have to organize all the uh, partnerships, get the MOUs, the confidentiality agreements, and we will start an opioid fatality review that now will not only look at those deaths that have occurred in Queen Anne County, but any resident of Queen Anne County who may have expired from an opioid or alcohol overdose in other jurisdictions. This is the first one in the state? No, this isn't the first one, but uh, this is one where the second one starting in the midshore, there's about uh, 20 other opioid fatality review boards in the state, and the midshore had been lagging behind right. everybody else in the state, and Talbot and Queen Anne's will be starting one within the next two and a half to three months. And then we're going to get accurate You're going to get accurate data because right. that way myself as the chairman and we'll have membership from DES as well as social services, law enforcement, education, we will get all of the confidential information on the entire history of that individual, not only what caused the fatality, but what treatment they had been in, what treatment was effective for a period of time and not, also looking at their criminal background as well as their school background and occupation. Better see different yeah. patterns. And that will we will be able to see truly what the pattern is yeah. and what we need to adapt to change the statistics that we have been, let's say, critically saddled with over the last three to four years. So on the alcohol side, is it, would that be just toxic poisoning or would you go down to cirrhosis and heart attacks from alcohol? It's going to be more toxic alcohol right. ingestion, not chronic alcoholism right. and liver failure. Yeah. This is going to be more the acute alcohol okay. intoxication. Hmm. Scott, Good. real quick. The, um, so obviously the number of overdoses is about half, but the deaths per overdose is way up. Um, so is that because of a Strength. change in the what, what people are using, uh, more fentanyl-laced stuff? We've had a or? lot of warnings. In fact, I, I can publicly tell you this because it's public record now. Every overdose that occurred to a death was a fentanyl death okay. because of the high potency of fentanyl. Nowhere along the level of the fentanyl we carry. We, we don't carry that potency level. 
This is when people mix it, don't understand what they're mixing and understand what they're putting in it, and that's what leads to and, and I think I heard somewhere, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that they're now seeing a rise in cocaine or fentanyl-laced cocaine that's, that's, deaths as well, correct? Yes. That's, so that's it, something that's... That's the purposely point. mixed together, so just as you're starting to take the downward plunge, if you catch yourself, you can give yourself the head of cocaine and bring you back up, or so they think. Hmm. So. It's, it's just another thing that we're learning about. And every year we're learning something new from the intel that the sheriff's office is, allowed, is able to share with us. So, Thank you. All right. So the next two things I want you to buckle up because this is really good news and exciting news. So back uh, in the summertime, our <coughs> cardiac monitor company came to us and said, hey, we want to do a project with you. I spoke to you a little bit about this. We want to analyze your cardiac arrest response. We want to collect scientific data and grade you how you're doing so then you can improve. So we opened up our closet and we, you know, let our skeletons out and we had them grade us. And we based everything taken on science and we showed how we could improve in our cardiac arrest survivability by the amount of people we have respond, by the equipment, the way we're responding, the way we do procedures, still maintaining within normal Maryland protocol. Last time I was in here, I was excited to tell you that we had about an 18% cardiac arrest survivability, which is very high for the nation. Tonight, I sit in front of you, and it may be a variable, and I don't want to do a dance yet, but for the month of January, we have a 50% 50 return of spontaneous circulation, patients arriving at the hospital with a pulse after being in cardiac arrest. And that is going to be earth-shattering if we can maintain that. Three things account to that. Our training. Every time you see I come to you about training and budgets and money for training, we've got the best providers there are. They want to train. They are loving training. The more training opportunities we give them, the better they're going to do. Number two, the equipment. You all have not gone cheap with our equipment, and now hopefully we're showing you the fruit of the outcome of that. For the first time, I, and I'm, I'm so proud of this when this was given to me. And thirdly, the, we give them the best of everything. We get them good transport units. We give them good stations. We got the best shift as far as I'm concerned, and we have great employees. So I'm very proud to report that to you, and we're going to continue this. Every one of our cardiac arrests from the time we arrive to the time they get to the hospital are being evaluated from start to finish to see how we can continuously improve on that, and I'm very excited about that. The second thing is Stop the Bleed has continued. Parks was the last uh, department just a few weeks ago that we did our Stop the Bleed presentation, and uh, every employee there enjoyed it greatly. We're going to continue that education throughout the county as well to every county employee, and as well as every county employee by the end of this year will have CPR and AED updated as well. And I expect to see you all there playing with my Stop the Bleed mannequin at some point. We will have a good time, I promise. <laughs> this next one is... Uh, one that I'm, again, the second part I want you to buckle your seatbelts for. I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. Our mobile integrated community health teams continue to do great. They're up to three visits a day. I think why our call volume has decreased is because we have less people abusing 911. We have less people calling 911 for the petty things, and we have less people needing a ride to the hospital to get nourishment. The MIC team is meeting all that. Here's the really awesome thing. We are the only EMS system in the nation in the nation currently testing A1C. A1C is a blood test to maintain diabetes. To maintain that in a neutral level, stopping the diabetic patient from going too high or too low. As we can do that, we decrease the calls for 911, we get them what they need at home, and we maintain their diabetes at home without the additional care of an ER 
transport and presentation. And this is uh, one of our paramedics, Casey Amos, took the lead in that, and we developed it. We got the okay from the state, and we have launched it, and it is going fantastic. And that, uh, gentlemen, I am very excited to share with you tonight. And uh, we also have developed a new recruitment test. It cost us a little bit of money. We, we were learning that we were getting people in, good EMTs, but they weren't passing the written test because as you get out of school, you forget some of the basic information, and we were losing good clinicians. So we bought this test, and this test more civil service, reading, writing, teamwork, team aptitude. And uh, we're in the process of, of hiring a new class right now. We have conditional offer out. And because of you, and I want to preach to you that I'm going to continue knock at your door getting the best stuff, the best benefits, because as soon as I get three or four really good trained paramedics, you've heard this before, I have to leave for bigger jurisdictions. So I'm going to keep asking for better things because I want to maintain these clinicians here in Queen Anne's County to have a career here, not just a job. And with that, I want to thank you for all the support you do. We're going to continue educating through Queen Anne's Television out in the public and keep being the EMS department that you all have asked us to be. Any questions? Thank you. It might be a matter of public interest (coughs) that Commissioner Corcholino and I and two members met with Easton Shore Hospital. Why don't you? No, go ahead. No, but you forgot. No, no, no. I don't want to steal your thunder on this. No, no. (laughs) We. I'm waiting with bated anticipation. Thank you, Alphonse. It's come to our attention that Anne Arundel Hospital is now very badly backed up by flu. A week ago, they were on alert, which means don't go to our hospital 120 hours. I think they're down to 56 this week, but they are backed up. We now, it's come to what we believe is our understanding that the emergency room here in Queenstown needs to be expanded in order to anticipate growth of service. And one of the problems the state has, and Dr. Ciotola can amplify on this good one, is that the state reacts and measures out medical services according to what past data is. But with our county, with four seasons coming online, with that assisted living right across the street, we need to get ahead of this. It's not like China where we can put up a hospital in a week. It takes us three years to do anything. <clears throat> so. We're trying to get ahead of the curve with Shore by adding maybe another five or ten beds down in the EMS there. And, sir? In addition to putting uh, pressure on them for evaluating and stepping up their evaluation of an urgent care. Yes. So anyway, we're actively, as a government, trying to push the hospital system as well as EMS so that the whole thing works. And a good question would be, sir, would it make sense for the same group that went to shore to go to visit with Mrs. Bayless and company over in Anne Arundel? I think that it would be beneficial to have a conversation with the administration and leadership of Anne Arundel Medical Center and also as to the freestanding emergency room in Queenstown as well as the need for urgent care. I plan to present that uh, question to the alms corporate board tomorrow morning good because i think it's critical that we stay ahead of this curve because our volumes are going to significantly continue to increase you're seeing you're seeing uh, uh, 
the, the code yellow, don't bring your ambulatory patients to us. Absolutely. To Anne Arundel more often than, than not of late. Yes, absolutely. That is correct. But what's causing more problems for us is not so much when they go on alert or go on a, on a code. Uh, what's causing more of a problem for us is when we show up in the ER and we unexpectedly have to wait three and a half hours for a bed. Now, now we that, have units out of service that long? Yes. So, or two or three units out of service that long. And then you compile that with the bridge traffic, and we don't have a short way of getting back either. Uh, we could be gone. One, one transport can cost us five hours of out of service time. And it's just a growing problem. So we're working on it. And because Anne Arundel is so busy, they now have ambulances from Prince George's County that are coming over to Queen Anne's County because Anne Arundel's on alert. They've got to skip them and come to us. So that adds to our burden. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And gentlemen, I know I sound like a broken record. I say this every time I'm in front of you. I'm the face that I talk to you the most, but it's our dedicated staff the men and women that are making this happen as well as the volunteers in this county so i just want to say that as usual thank you do those staffing issues tomorrow it is thank you very much for your time thank you you. great job thank you gentlemen well done all right commissioners next we have our feature presentation this evening we have uh, director (laughs) Stephen Shanley Our from the Department of Parks and Recreation. Oh. <laughs> the main act. All right. That's for last. That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. Trumpet. Director Shanley, take right. it away, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to give you um, our quarterly update. Um, first thing going is we have White Marsh, as I spoke to you before. This was a project that was pending. We finally got approval for it. Um, it's going to be a um, uh, edible forest trail over at White Marsh Park. It's going to be 1.6 acres. It will be. Um, it's already starting to be implemented in. It'll be completed by June. It'll be a five-year program agreement with um, uh, the Maryland Food Bank and DNR. So who's who or what is eating the edibles? <laughs> people, actually, not. Um, so, so we're so we're allowed to have people walk walk in there, walk on a trail, pick something and eat it, and, and we're we're not we're fine. They don't have an allergic reaction, eat something poisonous or right. anything the, crazy the like signage that. Signage. There's, in fact, there was a meeting this afternoon at one o'clock, so that's why this slide is not in your presentation. But it's a uh, sample of what the, the sign would look like. It'll show the basically the plots of land, mm-hmm. the um, uh, fruits that are there. There's um, high hush blueberry. Um, there's common elderberry, American hazelnut, black chokeberry, pawpaw, wild American plum, and persimmon. Um, it tells you know the estimated estimated harvest time, and it also talks about the culinary and medicinal uses. Um, out of all of those, you can eat right off the vine, except for one, and it is clearly noted, and that is the um, common elderberry. It says, do not consume when it's raw. It has to be cooked. So plenty of signage will be up there. This isn't the first one that's done in the state, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew you were going to come up with that one. <laughs> and that's a good question. Take my wife on a trip through the edible garden. Try this berry. <laughs> no poinsettias. <laughs> no poinsettias. 
So continuing on uh, some of the projects we have, uh, we've got some uh, three program open space projects. We've got a Churchill Southeast Creek acquisition, which is supposed to go before the Board of Public Works probably on March 4th. Uh, we have the Cross Island Trail repaving, which is also supposed to go to the Board of Public Works on March 4th. Has any of that started yet? No, it hasn't. Okay. Um, we're still waiting for approval. We actually just talked to, to Brambles. We've gotten um, quotes from them uh, trying to get on their schedule. And right now we're looking at um, a mid-March to early April paving time for those those projects. Again, it's going to be weather dependent and temperature dependent as well. So mm -hmm. we're going to be at the right at the top of the list. Uh, the last uh, program open space project we have is a court rehab project, which includes uh, resurfacing basketball courts and tennis courts, and they're, they're listed there before you. Uh, just to kind of give you some idea of some other things that we've uh, completed, uh, we did the Ewing Pond Park uh, parking lot. We paved that. Uh, Crumpton Park parking lot will be tar and chipped in the spring, and then we'll continue on with the, um, uh, the natural surface trail in the summertime. Okay. That's also on our uh, radar. Excellent. Uh, as I mentioned, the Kent Island South Trail repaving as well as Cross Island Trail repaving and the Blue Heron uh, golf cart path. And that's the picture that you see there. It will be the, the back nine or the new nine, whichever you prefer to call. Uh, and last but not least, as far as projects, is, uh, as you well know, the, the Cross County Connector Trail was dedicated uh, November 1st. It's been a, um, a very good acquisition and um, completed project for us. Uh, you know, I drive by that all the time. There's always somebody on uh. there. In addition to that, because we did a little extra maintenance to Long Point Park, the trail and the extra maintenance that we've done has really reactivated Long Point Park, and you see people walking through there, walking with their dogs or just running through there. So there's a lot more activity, and it just goes to show a little of attention goes a long way. Uh, moving on to recreation, we're right smack dab in the middle of uh, basketball. Um, as you can see, we've got uh, basketball teams from 6 to 17 for both boys and, um, boys and girls. The numbers are up there. We've got a total of 519 boys and a total of 244 girls, so uh, just under 800 participants. We also have indoor soccer going on at the two middle schools in Centerville and Stevensville for almost 500 participants. Uh, just some other uh, opportunities. We've got uh, volleyball, open gym. Some people's favorite. We've got pickleball out there two days a week on Fridays and Sundays. Um, that's an indoor thing, which will continue um, till the till the weather breaks, and then they'll go back out to Mowbray Park, which seems to be their favorite spot. Uh, we offered two trips um, this year to the public. In fact, last weekend we took a trip to the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. And we took two busloads of folks out there, which is about 74 people. Uh, when I was com uh, composing this slide, at that time the Philadelphia Flower Show only had 16 people. Two days later, we're filled up with two, two busloads again. Wow. So those are two of our most popular trips that we offer. Uh, again, some after-school programs uh, with bowling, shooting stars, um, basketball program. Where, where is the after-school bowling? <sighs> they go down to Talbot County. One of our favorite topics and one of our <laughs> newest initiatives that we have is artificial turf field use. Um, in the fall of two nine, 2019, we opened it up. Um, under there, you can see all of the different um, user groups that have utilized the field during that time and the hours associated with it. 
How's so? How's the managing that? Is that is it, Mr. Miller that's helping? Uh, James Miller, yes. Yeah. He's so, how's it going with that? I mean, obviously, with the, just the two turf fields in the county, I imagine they're very, very popular. They are, and they're getting more and more popular as, especially as we get closer to the to the spring season. And you know, as the weather continues to be wet and the fields are inundated with water, you know, I think those numbers are only going to continue to go up. So, right now. Um, we're, we're doing well. You know, it's a, it's a learning process. It's new, but we've got field monitors out there when user groups come out so people get on at the right time. They get off. We lock it up, you know, and then can continue on from there. Um, we work in coordination, obviously, with the schools because, you know, they, <coughs> they are a large user. It's, you know, obviously it's not their site. Um, so there's coordination uh, between the two entities. Um, Saturdays, um, there's also a little bit of um, give and take. We have a, a certain start time uh, on Saturdays, and school has some, some time. So we flip-flop times back and forth to accommodate each other's uses. In fact, we met with um, the Board of Education probably about two weeks ago just to kind of go over the schedule, some of the things that are going on, um, little kinks that we've, we've run into. And just, you know, if we don't have that communication, we're going to have big problems. And, you know, our, our anticipation is to continue to meet with them just to keep you know everything going. I haven't heard anything, anything negative about that's a good thing. the that's usages and, and the the time that the school's getting right. and what the high school student athletes need, and then of course our, our youth programs. Um, so good. And I think that's a perfect. Example. I was always that was going to be a big concern. <laughs> and and you hear from tons of kids how how much they love those fields. I mean, playing on the turf, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know as we go into the the spring sports for high school. The artificial turf is really going to come into play because actually school, high school sports start on February 29th. And, you know, you look outside now and we've got all this rain and the water is just sitting there. So the schools are going to have to do a lot of internal scheduling themselves just to try to get people to get some time on there before the fields get open. Any other time, you know, the high schools would probably, you know, jump on the field whenever they possibly could and they'd tear it up really before the season would actually start. And then... You know, the field will never recover for their season, and it'll never recover for the spring or the following, you know, summer season as well. So, you know, we're hoping this will alleviate some of those, uh, some of those problems. Um, continuing on, we've already had, like I said, um, spring of 2020 requests. Uh, we've got a bunch of those, and we've had a few more come in since, um, uh, since this writing. Uh, and again, I talk about communications, and this is with the, with the county leagues. And the, we have our fall league meeting, actually, in the summer, the end of summer. Um, as you can see up there, we've reached out to about uh, 2,100 youth participants, and that encompasses about eight organizations or leagues, 300 adult participants in leagues. Um, one of the, the, the nice things was there was two cross-county organization events that used the Ken Island High School um, artificial turf fields, and that was QA Soccer Club and the Ken Island Youth Soccer League. They had an all-star game there. And then UQA Football and the Chesapeake Piranhas had a turkey bowl there. So, again, I think that's a good community use of, you know, of the field. It's guaranteed to be nice, and it kind of gives that, you know, that, that special atmosphere for those, for those games. Um, and just for your information, just fields in use by each district. Um, in our southern part of the county, we've got 27 athletic fields. The central part of the county has 24, and the north has 12. So there's a lot of fields out there, but there's still, you know, um, I'm sure people would always say they could always use more. So. 
that might be coming to you <laughs> later. Um, and again, you know, we have all sports league meeting in December. And again, that's just to kind of go over how the fall went, see what's coming up, making sure that, you know, the artificial turf process is still working, making sure everybody is aware of that process. Because when it came on, you know, it started in September and, you know, it was a, it was a quick start. So then we had a chance to have a little bit of, of action on there. And then um, we continued on. Just last week, we had our spring meeting um, for, um, for all the spring sports. They turned in their schedules for practices and games, and we'll be allotting time uh, accordingly. Uh, with our special events, as far as recreation, we've worked uh, in cooperation with the Corsica River um, Conservancy and uh, Yacht Club as far as putting on Corsica River Day. Uh, they came to us last year telling us that they're interested in um, slowly pulling out and handing the program over to us. I told them that, you know, I would like to have it as a two-year um, training period. We worked together last year, half and half. This year we're taking on a little bit more responsibility. The following year in 2021, we'll be taking it over completely by ourselves, and it seems to be working. They're happy with, you know, how the transition is going. It's a good way to make sure that we don't lose any institutional knowledge and experience that, uh, that's going on with the program. We offered our first uh, 5K trail run um, out at Conquest Preserve. We cut some new trails through there. Um, got a lot of great reviews about the, <laughs> the atmosphere, the, the way the course was laid out. Um, we had about 64 participants. And, you know, because of that, you know, we wanted to go ahead and continue to offer another one. So now we're going to do one in March. And March, you know, coincidentally, it goes with uh, the previous presentations. March is Women's History Month. So we're going to have a Women's History Celebration 5K trail run at White Marsh Park. Um, in addition to being able to, to register for the race, people can also go online as they register for that race. They can also make a donation to the Mary Edward Dean Burke Emory Foundation, which would go towards um, uh, Mary Margaret's project out there. Um, so it's a good way to kind of have a collaborative, um, collaborative rec program and also a historical archaeological um, event as well. Um, good way to publicize <coughs> what's going on, not just the event itself. Um, one of the last events, uh, last year we had Taste of the Mattapeak down at Bat's Neck. First time program, we had about 400 participants that came through. Um, this year we're going to go ahead and do the program again, but we've decided to move it up to the Mattapeak Clubhouse and Beach. Um, that will be in early, um, uh, actually mid-May. And of course we've got the fireworks celebration on July 1, the rain's July 2nd. Um, park resources, park, um, park resource and planning. Um, two pictures up here are some tree planting that we've done at um, Old Love Point Park. The top one is uh, where the flagpole is and where the uh, trail has been rerouted. Same with the bottom one. Um, that picture there is actually where the old trail used to be. So we took up the old um, asphalt and we um, dug down and um, planted more trees out there. We also did some landscaping also um, at, the, at the park. Um, there's a lot of information here for Blue Heron Nature Preserve. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of plantings that are coming up in the spring and the fall. Um, I'm, I'm not going to bore you and read everything through there. Um, but one, one thing that I know Commissioner Moran will like was there's approximately 150 larger caliper trees that are going to be planted along Blue Heron Driving Range entrance. So that one's, That's right. that one's for one you. One of those little whips. <laughs> 
Um, we're also looking to do an Arbor Day celebration in April of 2020. And uh, right now we've got about more than nine acres of high-functioning wetlands that were created this past year there. Um, again, out at Conquest, we've got a great project partner with uh, Washington College, and they're going to plant about 22,000 trees and shrubs out there. And it's, it's a great program with, with the college and the orga environmental organizations out there. Right now, we have 80 acres that have been planted in the past 10 months, and we're looking to do about 40 acres of wetland habitat um, coming this summer. Uh, as far as miscellaneous, uh, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of different programs that are out there uh, working with um, shore rivers to develop some uh, BMP best management practices um, to assist with uh, Cox Creek at Love Point in vicinity. Um, we're looking to do uh, 30 acres of wetland restoration on lands at the Chesapeake College. And we also applied for the MHAA grant to assist the Waterman's Association with um, refurbishing or rehab rehabilitating their, um, their monument and surrounding site. <laughs> um, continuing on tr with training, I think that's very important, and this is a great time for us to, to jump in and do that. Uh, we had the active uh, shooter training for two days in January. Um, we also had um, Stop the Bleed as um, uh, Scott Wheatley had mentioned. Again, that was two days of training there. Coming up late next week, we're going to do uh, first aid and CPR um, training as well. And again, with the training, you know, it's great to have all those things, but if you don't have healthy employees and good employees to be able to do the work, it's no good. So we've actually, through our um, safety um, uh, program, we have decided to have a uh, weight loss challenge program. So we're, we've got about 20 people that have signed up for it. It's about 10 weeks long. And, you know, winner will get some nice little prizes. Um, so, again, having good, healthy employees and good training, it all works hand in hand. you got to take care of your employees, you know, both at work and after work as well. Public landings, the new permits are out. Uh, they're orange. Um, we actually started selling them in December to carry them through, so there would be a nice crossover. Um, one of the major projects I'm just going to touch upon is the Corsica River dredging project and uh, the dredge material placement site. Retalic and Sons has uh, won the bid. It's a $150,000 uh, program it's from the Waterway Improvement Grant. Um, by May 15th, um, they're supposed to be substantially done with that, and dredging is actually expected to start in July of 2020 on the Corsica River. And then this last slide is just um, a, a picture where you can see um, detailed the depths of the water. Um, I'm not sure if you can see the red line that goes through, but that is actually the area that is to be paved. That's the, the channel itself. And that's our quick presentation for what's been happening in the last couple of months. I'm not sure if you guys have any questions or comments. No trucks? Not today. No trucks. <laughs> I'm hand this out to the proud members, too. Yeah. How, is, um, how are the spoils going to get to that location? So I'm looking at the... the It'll be trucked over. So, um... Let's see if I can go back. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the only Large way that they can... I'm just wondering how they're going to get to this location yeah, here. Drive over there. Just through here, I guess? Yep. Mm -hmm. Very good. Good. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Right. Very good. Thank you, Steve. Been here. Well done. This yep. Yeah. So it's not like it's something new. Right. So awesome.
Alrighty. All right, commissioners, if you want to turn to tab number seven, we have a few legislative items. The first one is uh, County Ordinance 20-02, the establishment of the Queen Anne's County Farmland Preservation Fund. I'll introduce that. Okay, Commissioner Moran's going to introduce that, that bill, Ordinance 20-02. And our second item is County Ordinance 20-01, Public Facilities Bond Authorization of 2020. That is uh, ready for a vote, if you so choose to do so. Mr. Wilson, Wilson, we need you. I'm sorry. All right. Okay, so we have we've got the bill uh, number 20-01, uh, public facilities bond authorization of 2020. Can I get a motion? So moved. And a second. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved. There we go. Okay, that concludes our agenda. We have uh, our second press and public comments. If you want to come up and make any public comments this time, anybody sign up? Yeah. Mary Margaret. Good evening. Just a quick reminder uh, February 22nd, Washington's birthday and the snowball dinner to raise desperately needed money for Bloomfield right now. Um, we still have all of those wonderful pipes we put in the ground to pay for. So um, hopefully we will get a lot of dinner guests. But in case you're thinking about it, you should also know that Today, I had a call from Speaker of the House, Adrian Jones, uh, to discuss what she's going to be saying at the dinner. So she's our main lady at the dinner. Um, but we're also uh, going to be honoring the Women's Caucus, who had a really tough time uh, in their formation years, and we're going to tell that story. Where's, when is it, and where is it, and it, what's, how much does it cost? The, the dinner is at the Crown Plaza Hotel, 6 p.m. Tickets can be purchased online at What's Up Ticks, and um, it's going to be a really great evening. Crown Plaza. Is that the one, Mary Margaret, over Pardon? by the Annapolis Mall? No. It's yes, it's right by the Westfield Mall. Yeah. Oh. So yes. Green Turtle. It's right, right, there, right Turtle. on. It's very easy. Come over the bridge, go down Route 50, turn off at the mall, and just where the Green Turtle is. Scoot into the Crown Plaza Hotel parking lot, um, and it's in the Queen Anne's room, as well. And that's so, March 22nd? February. 22nd, 6 p.m. February 22nd? February 22nd, 6 p.m. Um, so the only way you can buy the tickets is online? Online. Okay. Or at the door. Oh, okay. At the door. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to get them at the door, we do have a problem because there's a choice of meals. So there's Don't only... Don't take the lobster. <laughs> I wish. I wish. In any case, um, that's 
Thank you. Just that's all. You got it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Mary. Would anybody else like to speak? Seeing none, we'll close the press and public comment. Go right to roundtable. Numero uno. Uh, I'm good. You don't want to update anything on Kerwin or anything? Ah, well, just a Kerwin got uh, the bills out. The bill is out. All hundred and seventy, eighty plus pages of it. Um, I did spend my time yesterday because I had nothing better to do but read it cover to cover. And all I can say is it's going to be a good ride for the next few weeks in Annapolis. Um, Anybody looking to get anything else done in Annapolis for the next few weeks probably ain't going to happen because they're going to have their hands full with this thing. So I, I'll keep you updated. Like I said, the hearing is this Monday. It's a joint hearing. It's going to probably be a circus, and uh, I'm not sure what's even going to come out of that hearing. So, um, Other than that, we do have, they dropped in the last two weeks almost a little over 1,300 bills have been dropped down there. So it's uh, quite the zoo getting through a lot of it right now, and a lot of it hasn't had hearings yet. But within the next three or four weeks, we'll probably some more stuff will take shape. And I know we we've actually got quite a few bills in this year that we're concerned about, and none of them have had hearings yet. So by the next meeting, we should have some mm -hmm. uh, should know what's going to happen with some of those. So, okay, Mr. Wilson, the senior. Uh, I think just we want to keep the public's attention on the fact that if you get sick. Prepare to spend long periods of time in the waiting rooms of any hospital you go to. Our emergency room is the best, shortest amount of time. We're now up to almost 18,000 people running through there a year and new people coming on all the time. And Shore Health is considering putting an urgent care over here quite hard and looks like that might happen. And uh, that's that. Excellent. Commissioner Dumanel. Um, so it's been a run through January and early February on Saturdays where we're having our installation of officers and our nine different volunteer firehouses. And I know that the responsibilities to attend these things have, have been spread out amongst the commissioners. But um, it's, it's good to know that we have great men and women who serve as volunteers in our uh, fire suppression and, um, and as EMTs riding ambulance as well to support um, our, our county-run um, ambulance services. But it's a, it's a treat to attend these things and see the commitment that these, un, these folks unselfishly make. A lot of them are, um, have families. Um, a lot of them uh, are, are, are career firefighters across the bridge, whether it be D.C. or Prince George's County or Anne Arundel County, and then they come over here and they serve unselfishly. So... Um, I just uh, just a quick shout out and, and thank them for that. Go ahead. Very good. Um, I'll piggyback a little bit on what Commissioner Dumanel said. He and I both attended the United Communities Fire Department uh, Awards and Installation Officers, and then we also attended <coughs> Penn Island Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, and for people who are watching who have <coughs> younger kids and you're looking for something for them to do, Encourage your kids to get active with the volunteer fire department. It's a great way for them to learn responsibility, uh, some skills, uh, and give back to the community. Uh, it, just great group of citizens there um, who give of their time, um, and your kids would benefit from it. So encourage them to do that. Um, also, um, Todd, Ma, and I have attended uh, two uh, recent housing authority meetings uh, that have had quite a different tone than we've seen in the past. Um, there is a lot of progress that's being made. 
uh, with the Housing Authority. Um, they're now accepting public comment, and residents are able to come there and tell what their concerns are, and they're getting responses to the next meeting. Um, and everybody has found that the, the world does not fall apart when we let the public come and speak and voice their concerns. Uh, so um, I want to thank the, the Housing Authority, uh, the board members, the interim director, for their efforts at uh, drastically improving the community outreach. It's really been uh, a fantastic thing, thing to see. Uh, thank you to former Commissioner Billups for agreeing to serve on the Housing Authority. He just had his first meeting. Um, probably having second thoughts on, on volunteering because um, it was a quite lengthy meeting. They, they're going through a lot of the finances and, and getting the books uh, in order, um, and I think we're going to see great things that we can be proud of with the Housing Authority going forward. Uh, lastly, uh, so I don't get in trouble since we don't have a meeting next week, I will wish my wife Kelly a happy birthday next week, um, <laughs> and that way I can make sure I doors unlocked when I get home tonight. Thank wow. you. Wow. Her birthday is next week? Next week. What 18th. Day? The 18th? 18th. Well, you got me out of hot water because my wife's the 17th, so I'm going to wish her happy birthday. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how about that? So. We'll send them off together. That's right. There you go. Very good. All right. Well, I guess um, I want to touch on something I, I didn't mention last meeting. I, I kind of dropped the ball there. I, I was privileged enough to go down to Bayside Elementary uh, and, and witnessed uh, the first Queen Anne's County School in 20 years to get the Maryland Blue Ribbon School Award. And kudos to Mrs. Welsh and her staff down there and the kids uh, for, for getting this uh, Blue Ribbon Award. It's the first one in 20 years that the county got. And I want to thank my fellow commissioners. Uh, we, we've granted them a $10,000 grant to use strictly for that school. Uh, hopefully that will be something that will enrich the, the kids and, and the staff alike. But uh, we'll see more of those in the future. Also, I want to say that... Uh, Pretty much almost everybody here, uh, January 31st, got to witness the first female judge in the history of Queen Anne's County get uh, take the bench. And, you know, I would just would like to say to Judge Knight, congratulations. And uh, I can't remember if she was the 14th or the 13th. It was 16th. Is that what it is? Out of 308 years. Uh, yeah, it was, it was apparently in the old courthouse. There's pictures that en encompass the whole courthouse, and they're all men. And now there's going to be a female up there. So, you know, I mean, I'm kind of proud about that for mm -hmm. Queen Anne's County, our new courthouse, a, a new female judge, and, and that goes for Brynja Booth on the highest court in the, in the, in the state. So, you know, kudos to, to both of those. And the last thing I want to talk about is February 20th at 1 p.m., uh, we have our first hearing in Annapolis uh, when it comes to trying to get control of the exit ramps on Route 50 westbound and, and trying to deal with our traffic woes in the summertime. And I'm asking anybody that has pictures of congestion, especially, you know, like, uh, for instance, in the Graysonville area, anywhere where there's homes and there's parked cars out in front of your house in your yard uh, with chairs on the hood and coolers and everything else, we, you know, we're, we're putting together a little video clip that we want to present when we're uh, testifying. And, and anybody that wants to come to that test testimony, just, you know, I don't, do you know, you know what the bill numbers are, Jack? That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll post those out there, but I, I, there's so many of them, I get them confused. And I don't want to get... 1 o'clock on the 20th or 10th? Yeah, it's 1 o'clock is when it starts. What time we go probably will depend on how many people show up. Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's a couple busloads of Queen Anne's County citizens, Let's maybe they'll let room. us go first. Uh, but, you know, this is, a, this is a process, and this is the start of it, so we'll see what becomes of it. And, and actually, if, you do, if, they, if anybody in the public does want to speak, please contact the commissioner's office so we can get them on the list right. in advance. Because because you can't just show up and speak. You, got, you have to be 
signed up before, what, three hours before or something to that nature. You know, you have to be signed up uh, beforehand. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is the beginning because you know, Commissioner Wilson's right. We have a lot of bills in between liquor laws, traffic issues, brag issues, balloon bill, which passed the Senate today. I see Jay sitting in the back. So, you know, it's CT bills in. Yeah, CT, yep, CT. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. It's a, it's a busy season and it's and a lot for Queen Anne's County. So, with that, I'll entertain a motion to. Motion to adjourn. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. There we go. Thank you.